0: This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author chris lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include Strong Language Mature Themes Futanari Women with Penises oral sex, masturbation, and corruption and mind alteration. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 252. Greetings, Metamorphs! Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm Chris Lester, the creator and head author of the Metamore City story universe. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislaster.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fresh new fiction with you and keep you informed on my life and my writing. More on that later in the show. For now, let's get to this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 26 in my Metamore City erotic fantasy, Homecoming. If you're new to the show, don't start here. Go back to Episode 228 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. John, Kate, and Chase have come clean with the Lightbringers about all their recent misadventures. Chase admitted that he doesn't know how to control his new Incubus powers— so now he's on probation for the next two years. If he doesn't screw up again, though, he can retain his status as an Imperial citizen. Kate admitted to her newly discovered talent for stealing and transferring Divine Essence, which means that she is now in the Lightbringer's system as an enhanced human, with abilities relevant to their purview. Neither John nor Kate has done anything with their powers that would justify bringing charges against them, and by absorbing the lust storm. Kate helped prevent Chase's loss of control from causing further damage. All in all, things could have been a lot worse. Our heroes were met at the Lightbringer field office by Chase's mother, Margaret Tomley. She was initially enraged that her son had been missing for two days, only to show up at the Lightbringer office to turn himself in. But when she saw the transformation that had happened to him, she quickly moved to comfort her son. To everyone's astonishment, Margaret confessed that she knew what Chase was. When she and her husband had been unable to conceive a child, and their prayers to Eli had gone unanswered, they went to the Hedonist Temple together to beg for help from the Goddess of Fertility. Margaret and Brandon had sex with the priests together as an offering to Suspira, and Margaret conceived. As the priests continued to check in on them over the subsequent months and years, Chase's parents became believers in Suspira's ethos. Though they were still disciples of Eli, they became disciples of hedonism as well. The Tomleys have been quietly running an underground hedonist community at Bridger Heights for nearly 18 years, spreading the word of Suspira to people who otherwise might never have listened. Margaret's only regret is that she didn't tell Chase sooner about what he was. With the paperwork done, John was released by Lightbringer agent Nazreen Kishani. She sent him away with the next two books in her lesbian romance series, telling him that she wants to talk to him about them the next time he's in town. She tried to flirt with Kate as well, but she met with a polite but chilly reception. It's gonna be a while before Kate forgives Kishani for throwing her boyfriend in jail. Homecoming. A Tale of Metamore City. Written in read by Chris Luster. Chapter 26 At Sam's suggestion, the whole crew went back to the Catane's house. They gathered in the living room and decompressed from their ordeal, aided by ample amounts of wine, beer, and soda. Sam was about to start preparing dinner for everyone, but Lisa gently pointed out that this was much too big a project to take on with zero notice, so they ordered pizza instead. While they waited for the food to arrive, John snuck upstairs for a quick shower and a change of clothes. With a sense of relief, he shifted back to his incubus form. With this group, at least, there was no need to hide who he was anymore. He pulled on boxers and pajama pants, both of which had been tailored with holes for his tail, and a close-fitting red T-shirt, which showed off his muscles. He headed downstairs with a deliberately relaxed, casual air, his tail waving slowly in the air behind him. Kate was waiting for him at the bottom of the stairs, leaning in the doorway to the living room. Her eyes widened slightly as she saw him, but then she grinned. She met him with a kiss, took his hand, and drew him into the room beside her, her tail intertwined with his. Everyone, she announced, I'd like you to meet my boyfriend John. For real this time. John looked around the room, gauging their reactions. Sam blushed, but smiled encouragingly and raised a hand in welcome. Lisa's expression was wry and carried a spark of frank admiration as her eyes scanned up and down John's body. Emily awed and clapped. Chase gazed at him with fascination. Margaret, the closet hedonist, let out a gasp, then bowed her head and made a gesture of obeisance, as if an angel had just walked into the room. We're glad you're here, John, Sam said, and we're glad you can be yourself. Thanks, Sam. John said, genuinely touched. It feels good not to hide anymore. Chase's father, Brandon, arrived shortly after the food, having come directly from work. He was a skinny man of average height, with balding brown hair, round, wire rimmed glasses, and gentle blue eyes. He embraced his wife and son fiercely and promised his full support for Chase and whatever he decided to do. John couldn't help feeling a stab of envy as he watched their reunion. If Count Halloway had been even half that loving, his life would have turned out very differently. The Tomleys had a lot of questions for John and Kate, particularly around how they met and how their relationship worked. They had never met a hedonist priest who was in a committed relationship with one person, and they were curious how John reconciled this with church doctrine. Sam and Lisa were anxious to hear these answers, too, since this was the first time they were getting the unsanitized version of the story. And Chase and Emily were also interested, presumably because John and Kate's relationship might serve as a model for their own. John did not get to hear the details on the conversation they'd had in his absence, but from the way they were cuddling and holding hands on the love seat, it seemed that they had come to an understanding at last. After a couple of hours of food and conversation, the Catanes must have sensed that John and Kate were tired of answering questions, because they broke out one of their board games and invited everyone to play. This kept the group entertained for another hour or so, until Chase's parents decided to call it a night. Standing in the foyer while Sam fetched their coats, they embraced Chase and Emily, once again promising their fullest support for whatever Chase decided to do. Then, to John's surprise, they turned to him, bowing deeply. "'Thank you for helping our son, Brother John,' Brandon said diffidently. "'Would—would you be willing to come and bless our congregation this Saturday? "'We're a small community, between twelve and fifteen people most weeks, "'but we're all very eager to learn more of the lady's word. "'It would mean so much to have you there.' John glanced aside at Kate— who was trying very hard to suppress her amusement. Smiling through closed lips, she gave him a very slight nod of assent. "'It would be my privilege,' he said, bowing to the Tomleys in return. After they had donned their coats, Margaret passed him a slip of paper with their address and phone number. "'Dinner's at seven,' she said, and the service begins at nine. "'We have all the basic essentials already.' but if there's anything special you'd like for the rituals, just let me know. Thank you, John said, slipping the paper into his pocket. But it's all about the spirit of the gathering, not the trappings. I'm sure it will all be lovely. They beamed at these encouraging words, and once outside, they turned and bowed to him even more deeply than before. They actually backed away from him three steps before turning to go, as if he were a medieval king or something. As a priest, he was used to some level of pomp and ceremony from the faithful, but this was a bit much. Kate apparently thought so, too. As soon as the door was shut, she dissolved into giggles. Oh, my lord, she said, giving him an exaggerated, swooping bow. Come and bless us with your holy presence, my lord. Watching from the living room, Chase and Emily laughed as well. All right, all right, John grumbled. Suspira help him, he could feel himself actually starting to blush. His embarrassment only made Kate laugh even harder. We ache to feel your instruction, oh holy one, she gasped. Your rod, your staff, it comforts us. John answered this by pinning her up against the wall and covering her mouth with his own. Her laughter quickly turned to moans, and she wrapped her arms, tail, and one leg around him. Emily whistled appreciatively. As the kiss ended, Kate sucked on his bottom lip for a moment before letting go. She looked up into his eyes and smiled hungrily. "'Amen,' she purred. "'And I think that's our cue to leave, dear,' Lisa said to Sam. "'Way ahead of you,' Sam said." He passed her coat over to her while putting on his own. He turned and looked over his shoulder at John and Kate, and John could see that he was blushing hard. Have fun, kids. We'll be at the hotel if you need anything. Lisa called Miko to her side, then followed Sam out to the garage. She winked and smiled at John and Kate on her way out the door. It might have been John's overactive imagination, but he thought the look was mostly directed at him. Damn, what a woman. Putting that thought out of his mind, he turned back to Chase and Emily. All right, Chase, are you ready for your first lesson in being an incubus? Chase blushed, but he did not pull away when Emily leaned in and kissed his cheek. He smiled shyly at her. I think so. I mean, I'm still having sort of a hard time processing all this. But what you guys said, it makes sense. If I have to do this to survive, I guess it can't be wrong for me to do it. And, well, I can't think of anyone I'd rather do it with than you, Emmy. Several emotions passed over Emily's face. Happiness, guilt, desire, anticipation. Been waiting a long time for you to admit that, she said, and kissed him deeply. He wrapped his arms around her and returned the kiss clumsily but earnestly. John could see both of their auras starting to open, and a fine cloud of essence drifted out from Chase's mystic center. Kate traced a hand down John's back, then rested on his ass. We should go upstairs, she said. Mom and Dad's bed has plenty of room for all of us. The two youths broke their kiss, and Emily giggled. That's so naughty, she said. But practical, John admitted. You guys coming or what? They didn't need to be told twice. Kate led the way up the stairs and into the master bedroom, matter of factly stripping off her sweater, t shirt, and bra and tossing them on the floor along the way. Her tail waved and flexed in suggestive, sinuous ripples with every sway of her hips. John could feel himself getting hard just watching her. He pulled off his own shirt and let it fall, then met her at the foot of the bed. Kate smiled with admiration as she traced her hand down his smooth, muscular chest. Then she pressed her body against his, her belly warm against his abs, the bulge in her pants brushing against his groin, her erect nipples tickling his chest. She leaned in close to his ear, her lips brushing the skin. "'I am so proud of you,' she whispered. It wasn't what he'd been expecting." He drew back and looked at her in surprise. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. She nodded in the direction of the bedroom door, where Chase and Emily were making their way inside. Chase's eyes widened a little at the size of the bed. Emily grinned and tugged on his hand, drawing him closer. Kate didn't explain further, but John understood what she meant. The man he had been two years ago wouldn't have turned himself into the Lightbringers to protect some kid he barely knew. He might have done it for his sister Misty, or for Morgan, but he wasn't even sure about that. That John would have done what he had to do to save his own hide, regardless of how it affected anyone else. It felt strangely good not to be that person anymore. Emily and Chase were kissing now both of them laughing self-consciously as they fumbled each other out of their clothes. John watched them carefully, reading their auras as well as their body language. For all that they had forgiven each other, John knew that hurts and emotional triggers could linger, and neither one of them was old enough or experienced enough to navigate those on their own. For now, fortunately, both of them seemed willing and eager to try again. He was so focused on watching them that he was surprised again when Kate's hands encircled him from behind. Nimble fingers reached inside his pajamas and underwear and wrapped themselves around his stiffening shaft. At the same time, her erection rubbed against the base of his tail. She must have taken off her pants while his back was turned, and warm lips kissed the nape of his neck. You ready to show these kids how it's done? She purred stroking his dick in slow, full movements from tip to balls. John leaned back into her, letting her support some of his weight, then craned his neck around for a kiss. Kate growled against his mouth and caught his tongue playfully between her teeth before letting him go. Then she grabbed his pajamas and boxers and stripped them both off him in one smooth motion, leaving him naked before her. Chase and Emily were naked now, too, and they paused in their kisses and caresses to take in the sight of John and Kate's foreplay. John turned his body in Kate's direction, and since she was halfway to the floor already, she knelt before him and took his cock into her hands. She smiled hungrily up at him, then leaned in and licked the underside of his shaft. She continued to pleasure him for a time, long strokes of her tongue up and down his length, pumping and squeezing with her hand, occasionally taking him inside her mouth and sucking noisily. She was showing off, and both Chase and Emily watched her with avid interest. Once John was about as hard as he could get, Kate rose, kissed him, then climbed onto the bed. She lay on her back near the far left side of the mattress, leaving plenty of room for the rest of them. Her erection stood up proudly above her wet and swollen vulva, and her hand alternated between pleasuring both of them, as she smiled expectantly up at John and the others. "'Ready when you are, teach,' she said in an inviting tone. John smiled back at her. "'Tempting as that hun, I think we'd better give some direct instruction before we move to the hands-on portion of the class.' Chase needs to know what he's seeing and feeling here so we don't have a repeat of last time. Kate stuck out her bottom lip in a mock pout. Fine, I'll just amuse myself then. She grabbed the base of her cock and waggled it lewdly at him, which earned wide eyes from Chase and a giggle from Emily. John turned his attention to the two young people. The first thing you need to know about being an incubus is that you can't take what isn't offered rape and sexual assault aren't just morally wrong. For us, they're worse than useless. You feed on pleasure. If your partners aren't enjoying themselves, you can't get any energy from it. Chase nodded soberly. I understand. That doesn't mean you can't get in trouble, though, Kate cautioned. If you use too much of your power too fast, you can fuck with people's heads enough that they can't think clearly. And you both know that when people's judgment is screwed up, consent is a problem. Chase and Emily exchanged an embarrassed look. Yeah, Emily murmured. So play it safe, John concluded. You can use your essence to feel people out, loosen their inhibitions, help them get over their nervousness or anxiety or whatever. Just don't overdo it. A little goes a long way. Chase nodded again, this time with more confidence. Got it. Good. Second thing. Your sperm is a lot more potent than human sperm. Even if a girl's on birth control, you can probably still get her pregnant. Unless she's got the special, extra-strength version that was designed for us. He went over to his discarded pants and fished a couple of condoms out of the pocket. There are male birth control amulets that'll work for you. But for now, use a condom every time. Do you know how to put one of these on? Chase blushed a little, but he nodded. Yeah, they are covered in school. Good. John handed him the condoms, then turned to Emily. Number three. Before we get started, Em, I want you to know we've got a safe room set up for you. The office down the hall is warded against our power. All you have to do is go inside, light the candles, and it's an incubus-free zone. There's a bed made up in there for you. Emily looked confused and crestfallen. But I want to stay with you guys. And we want you to stay, Kate said. But there's three of us and one of you. If you start feeling overwhelmed or drained, or you just need to take a break to clear your head, it's there for you. Use it if you need it. You won't make us feel bad. She smiled. It's an option, not an order, okay? Emily smiled back, apparently reassured. Okay. Chase looked back and forth between John, Emily, and Kate. His tail twitched uncertainly behind him. All right, so what do I do? We'll start by having you practice projecting your essence, John said. Emily, do we have your permission to use you as a test subject? Emily spread out her hands on either side of her naked body. Yes, please, she purred. I'll take all of that you can give me. Remember, don't overdo it, John said again. We don't want another lust storm in here. He turned to Emily and added, Emmy, you just stand there until I tell you to do otherwise, okay? You can touch yourself, but don't try to start anything with Chase or anyone else. It's going to take all his concentration to learn how to do this. Emily nodded sharply. Yes, sir. Chase stretched out a hand toward Emily as if he were an evoker about to call forth lightning from his fingertips. He closed his eyes, frowned in concentration, then paused. Um, what do I do? John resisted the urge to roll his eyes. Relax. Focus your attention on Emily. Keep your eyes closed, but listen to what your senses are telling you. What do you notice? Chase's brow smoothed his expression changing to one of neutral calm. I can smell her, he said after a moment. Her shampoo, her deodorant, some sweat, and something else, something strong. He looked suddenly apologetic. Not bad strong, but it's really noticeable. His nostrils flared. I think I like it. You're smelling her arousal, John said. Her body's getting ready to have sex. Humans can smell it too, but as an incubus, you're more sensitive to it. What else? Chase's look of concentration returned. I can hear her breathing, moving. I... I think I might hear her heartbeat? Maybe, John said, noncommittally. What else? Chase seemed puzzled. I can't see her, and I'm not touching her. What else is there? You tell me, John said. The young man's concentration deepened. There's... something. Like... you know that feeling of static electricity, how it makes your hair stand on end? Sort of like that. That's her aura, John confirmed. It's a kind of force field created by the life mana moving inside her. Chase spread his fingers a bit wider... It feels like it's pulling on me. You're pulling on each other, John said. Your essence wants to go to her, to draw her mana back to yourself. Now, without moving towards her, relax into that pull. Chase frowned again. That's confusing. (sighs) You'll know it when it happens, John assured him. Don't overthink it. Listen to your instincts. For a moment, nothing happened. Then, with a snap of power like a closed circuit, red smoke boiled out of Chase's outstretched hand, crossed the distance between them, and flowed over and into Emily. The young woman arched her back and gasped, then let it out again as a slow, sensual moan. John saw her nipples stand to attention, and Chase's cock stiffened in the same moment. Emily's right hand shot between her legs— rubbing her clit in tight, urgent circles. Oh, gods, Emily moaned. She reached up with her free hand and grabbed a fistful of her own hair, pulling and twisting it as she frantically pleasured herself. God damn, that's hot, Kate murmured. John glanced over at her. She had her tail in her pussy and was stroking her cock again. Good, John said to Chase. Now, You're sending part of yourself out to influence her. You notice how the smoke is flowing into her body? That means her aura is accepting it, which means that she was already in the right mood to give and receive pleasure. The more of your essence that flows through her, the more her mind will line up with that pleasure principle. Anything that gives pleasure will be amplified. Anything that holds her back will fade and become less important to her. He directed his attention to Emily. Emmy? What do you want to do right now? Anything, Emily said, her voice coming out hot and breathy, as she continued masturbating furiously. Everything. Gods, I want you. All of you. I want you all inside me right fucking now. Take me. Fuck me. Make me come. Make you come inside me. Anything else she might have said was cut short by a squeal of orgasm but this only amplified her desire even further. John gave Chase a stern look. Do you understand why I asked her permission before we did this? She would literally do anything for you now. She would let you get her pregnant with a baby incubus, and thank you for the privilege. She would give you her life energy until she went unconscious. Chase's face paled a little. Eli, he whispered. John put a hand on his shoulder. It's a lot of power, man. Don't let it go to your head. Chase nodded again, eyes wide. How do I stop it? Picture that flow of essence like the tap on your faucet, John said. Imagine turning the tap down. See the water slowing to a trickle. Chase closed his eyes again. It took him a minute or two, during which time Emily brought herself to at least two more orgasms. But then the flow of essence began to grow thinner. That's it, John encouraged. You've got it. Keep going. The stream of red smoke closed off. Chase's essence remained in the room, a fine red haze that circulated around on unseen mana currents and curled back to touch each of their auras in turn, but he was no longer adding more of it. "Great," John said. "So now part of you is out here, ready to make people fuck." Once you start to feed, that power's going to come back to you, so don't worry about it for now. Chase opened his eyes again, looked around at the faint trails of essence flowing through the room. He allowed himself a small, satisfied smile. Okay, what's next? John smiled wryly and gestured at Emily, who was standing there watching them with an expression of molten desire. Well, Chase, you've got a beautiful woman here begging you to pleasure her. I'd say maybe you should do something about that. And that's the end of Chapter 26. Come back next time, when Chase's lesson is interrupted by an unexpected visitor. Neil Gaiman said, You have to write when you're not inspired, and you have to write the scenes that don't inspire you. And the weird thing is that six months later, a year later, you'll look back at them, and you can't remember which scenes you wrote when you were inspired, and which scenes you just wrote because they had to be written next. The process of writing can be magical. Mostly, it's a process of putting one word after another. So, let's see how well I've been doing that this week. Here's your weekly writing report. This update covers the week of September 5th through September 11th. I wrote 2,724 words this week, over the course of 4.25 hours, for an average writing speed of 641 words per hour. As of Friday night, I've gone 147 days without breaking my chain. I made a little more progress this week on Honor Bound, but most of my time was taken up by working on the podcast. I had several long, tough days in the lab this week. I'm recording this outro on Sunday, September 13th, after spending a total of 19 hours on Friday and Saturday working on a rush project, on top of my normal work. Because of this, I haven't really had the brain power to devote to writing for the last few days. I worked on the episode script on Wednesday and Saturday, recorded Chapter 26 of Homecoming on Thursday, and did audio editing on Friday. Hopefully next week will be calmer, and I'll be able to devote some brain space to writing fiction again. Honor Bound is near the end of Chapter 23, and the manuscript is a bit over 60,000 words. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to Feedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641 715 then enter extension 255 followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is Fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2019 and 2020 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press.